All right, on our um, first screen for today, you're going to see a scripture reference for Luke chapter 6, verses 20 through to 36. Um, And here's what we're about to do. We're going to read that together. Um, And so this is your opportunity to connect with some people. You can move, if you've been sat here now for nearly an hour, going, why did I choose to sit here today? This was a terrible seat decision. This is your window of opportunity to get up and find somewhere else to be. Um, If you're like, nope, this is where the Holy Spirit wants me to be, and I'm not just staying here. I'm putting roots down, the anchors down. I'm never moving. Somebody's going to have to come to me. That's fine. Um, Some of you are going to want to read this on your own. That's absolutely fine. But here is my encouragement to us. Let's gather together twos, threes, fours. You have to move around jiggle yourselves around a little bit, turn around online. This is your opportunity to open another tab, not Facebook, another tab in the browser that you're watching this on and get to your favourite Bible reading destination online and find Luke chapter 6 verses 20 to 36 and find a way by the power of technology to read that together um, in the chat. Um, But let's take three minutes. See what I did there? This is the week of picking up cues. Three minutes. We're going to read these verses together. So if you need to get up and move around and find someone to read this with, do that. If you want to turn around, if you are confident to tap somebody and say, hey, let's read this together. Um, Let's do that. Let's take three minutes and we're going to read Luke chapter six together and then I'll bring us back together. All right, let's go. We've got about one more minute. So if we start to bring our attention back together, about one more minute. Thank you.
Okay, 30 seconds. We're all coming into land. 10 seconds. If you haven't made it all the way to verse 36, don't panic. You can enjoy that later on together. Okay. All right. Let's come back together. You must be compassionate just as your father is compassionate. That's what verse 36 says, if you haven't got there. Um, all right, we're going to spend some time there. Why? Oh, I'm back in the room. Hello. Thanks, guys. I'm back in the room. Um, that's the Holy Spirit uh, telling you to come back in the room. Why, why are we in Luke chapter 6? What's happening? We are thinking about encounters with Jesus. We're going to continue to think about encounters with Jesus. We're going to wrap up some things today, but also set up some things for tomorrow and some series that we're going to get into. But we are thinking about encounters with Jesus. We are working through some of the conversation in the Gospel of Luke. And Luke chapter 6 is kind of set up in two parts. And there are some things that Jesus is doing in the first kind of couple of verses, the first... Um, not quite half, but the early parts of Luke chapter 6, where he is messing with some convention and with some ideas, and he's provoking people in a holy way, and he's God, so he's allowed. Um, and he's challenging people's ideas around who he is and some of how we function and all of that kind of good stuff. And then the second half of Luke chapter 6 is this call to a crowd to discipleship. It's this call to those who are gathered, those who are following Jesus to discipleship and we want to think about our encounters with Jesus we want to think about our rhythms and our patterns some of you have noticed that this is a theme that I'm picking up often and want to talk to us about our rhythms about how we move in our existence not just when we are gathered together but when we are out in the wild what's helping form and shape our following of Jesus just being in a gathered moment and will not kind of produce that in us. We have to make conscious decisions and choices to actively find and follow Jesus through our entire existence. And so what helps us to do that, what helps us is to think about some of our rhythms of praying, listening, and then ultimately acting. And so uh, Pastor Sarah took us through a couple of weeks ago what prayer isn't with uh, a holy provocation for us to think about, well then what is prayer? Prayer isn't just for the holy prayer isn't the limits of asking for things kind of out of duty. It's not a vending machine. It's not um, pitiful. It's not powerless. It's not frivolous. It's not um, kind of this broken system uh, where we're not quite sure what's happening. But uh, we tasked ourselves to think about what prayer is, kind of summarized in this invitation to a relational conversation with Jesus. And so we spent some time thinking about how can we reframe that in our own existence, in our own time, in our own, if you're a Christian before 1994, walk with Jesus. Uh, what does that look like? How does that move? What do we do with that? And then last week, I ran out of time to agitate us to think about listening and the power of a pause and that Jesus wants our attention because he wants to speak to our condition so that we are then released into kingdom action. All of that is online. If you've missed all of that, don't panic. It's available online. And we have um, 
given ourselves in community some resources, you will have hopefully a smaller version of this available to you that you've had in your bag or on the side and you're going, what's that about again? Three minutes, this series, this idea, three minutes, a minute to pray, a minute to listen and a minute to think about our actions. If you haven't got one of these uh, where Pastor Sarah Hingley is in the Connect Corner, um, we're not on commission for the Connect Corner, by the way. I feel like it's come up a lot. We're just keen. We like the Connect Corner. Um, If you haven't had one of those in this series, then please take one today online. Hopefully we have sent uh, those out to everybody that's asked for one. But if you haven't, get in the chat and ask for one and we will post one to you. There is also prayer is um, resources, so you can take those and engage with those as well. But here's what I want us to do. I want to, I'm deliberately messing with our rhythm today. We're in a bit, out of it, in a bit, out of it. Um, I'm going to ask us to share with each other again for a couple of minutes, and then I'll bring us back again and give us some more information. But um, can we jump to that next slide? Thank you. Uh, share your three minutes story. Um, And I know that we are two thirds of the way through and so I'm cheating a little bit because this is kind of the final week of this series. But with each other, what has been helpful to you? How have you changed the way that you have been thinking about prayer? What has God been saying to you in your active listening? Where are you seeing the Spirit of God moving you? Where is the kingdom coming? What have you enjoyed from this series? What um, has really stuck with you? How has in your application of having something tangible in your life to be like, okay, I'm going to deliberately think about how I find and follow Jesus in this space. We want to share that with each other. If this is your first interaction with these series and with these ideas, um, welcome. And you get a pass, you're lifted off the hook. Um, but we want to hear from each other. So if you are like, I haven't thought about this once, man. Like, you shared it on New Year's Day, online. It was, I was still, there was still tinsel in my world, and I haven't really thought about it, and I haven't really caught up since, and you just leave me alone and let me get up to speed, and then we'll get there. If you do not have a three-minute story... Can you share with somebody some good news from this week? Uh, If you don't have anything specific from this series, um, I will just be silently weeping here, but don't worry about that. Uh, Just share some good news with somebody from this week. So we are avoiding the weather chat. Let's presume all of that's done. We're avoiding the grumbling and the complaining. We're going to presume all of that's done. And we're going to share some good news stories with each other. So a good news story about what's helped you pray or listen or act. And if you haven't got access to any of them, then share something good with somebody from this week. Does that make sense? Really excited to go and do this? All right, so you get to speak to new people. If you want to speak to new people, you can sit on your own if you need to sit on your own. But let's find ways in the chat online, in the room. Let's take another three, four minutes and share with each other. And then I'm going to bring us back for some more information. Let's go.
Okay, one more minute, and then we're going to come back together. One more minute. So make sure you've shared your good news. If one person's done all the talking, give him a nudge. Somebody else share for our last 30 seconds together. They're going to bring us back in. Ten seconds. Three, two, one. Okay. All right. Let's come back together. If you're in the middle of the best story you've ever told in your entire life, um, thank you. You can conclude it when we are when we are finished. Um, but I'm going to share some things with us. And then uh, we're going to move to a point where we're going to pray with and for each other. We're going to pray together. Um, that's where we're going to get to. But I want to share some thoughts with us. And I want to set some things up that, um, that too. Um, there's some, some technical things that I want to bring together for us. But I don't want us to be intimidated by that. I don't want us to feel put off by that. I don't want us to be um, distracted by that. So I want us to kind of stick in and stay with this. Um, if you have your Bible with you, if you have got on the train and have got a copy of this filament version that we are using, then great. Uh, that's page 48 for you. For everybody else, we are in Luke chapter 6. I want to draw our attention to verses 27 and to 28. Um, we read the whole thing because it's important that we situate it in what's happening. Um, if we had time and hear my encouragement on this, read Luke 6 uh, this afternoon, read Luke 5 this afternoon, read Luke 7 this afternoon. You hear what I'm saying. It's not necessarily best practice for us to lift specific things out, but what is best practice is for us to draw our attention to a moment with the encouragement to then go back out to understand where it lives, where it sits, what's happening and what, what's going on. Does that make sense? So we zoom in, but it's really important that we then zoom out and we understand what it belongs to. We're not just lifting isolated things and kind of trying to string these things together to make them say what we want or we need them to say. We need to understand what they're saying across the whole piece and about what's happening. So I don't want us to get lost in that, but it is appropriate that I draw our attention to these things. And Luke chapter 6, verses 27 and 28 say this. This is um, Jesus speaking. But to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. Now, you're going to have to be kind to me this morning uh, because that's a big piece of the pie. <laughs> um, th this is not something that we're going to have cute, fun little answers for by 20 minutes' time. And these are things that genuinely we might spend the rest of our time on earth wrestling with the Spirit of God to resolve some of these things in our existence. There, there are some things that are happening here that, that I am not in full possession of, but it's important that we encourage each other to engage with these things, with these ideas that we don't look away, that we don't ignore them, that we don't pretend that they are not there, we have to lean into these things, but that comes from a place of collective working out. 
There are some things that are not as we would all choose them to be, and we don't live in ignorance, but we live in awe of who God is and ask for his will to be done in us as we wrestle with his words that are given to us so that we can follow him in the real world, in real time and in real place, not to hide in the ideological abstractions of these words, but what do they look like in my hands? What do they look like in my neighborhood? What do they look like in my playground? What do they look like in my place of employment? What do they look like where I share space with others? But to you who are willing to listen, I say love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. And there are some conditional setup for that. That's why we read a little bit earlier and continue to read until later on in that we can pick up these things with slightly less pinch in them because we've just come from verse 22 and we're going to land at verse 31, 32 through to 36. There are some other things that are happening here. You're going to have to do some of your own heavy lifting in your own time. But I want to be really, really clear about this idea of enemies. And you will see on the screen enemies from a Greek word. And we're not going there today. This is not what we're doing. Um, But I have tried and I have tried and I have tried to find a way for this not to mean what we all think it means. (laughs) It means what you think it means. Your enemies are exactly that. People who hate you. And I, I can't find another way to make that more palatable. I can't find another, in the Greek, in any other iteration, in any paraphrase, transliteration, one person with a mission from heaven to tell you secretly what it does or doesn't mean. It means what we think it means. (laughs) Your enemies mean people who will hate you. Now remember, Jesus is setting this up in that we are also the recipients of verses 22 and 23. And if they're true, then verses 27 and 28 are true, which means verse 36 is also true. So don't give up here. We've heard this encouragement from quarter to nine for those of us that have been here this morning. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. But we have to face the reality that there are people who will hate you. And that's not fair. And that's not nice. And that's not kind, and that's not fun, and that's not enjoyable, um, but Jesus knows. And so there are some instructions about the way of Jesus, and how do we follow Jesus, and how are we like Jesus, and what does that look like, and what's happening, and we're going to unpack and unpick some of these things, because I think knowing who is love helps us understand how to love. So what does that mean? If we go to the next slide, thank you team. We say regularly, God is love. God is love. And some of you are nervous now about what I'm going to say as a consequence of God is love because we have interacted with these statements in ways that are not owned by the body of Christ, those who are following Jesus, those who are using things to contort and conform to a way of being where we say things like God is love and what we mean is We don't really know what we mean, (laughs) but we just make that broad and accessible and we understand that and we can see what is compelling about that. But we are rooted and grounded in a comprehensive understanding of what we mean when we say God is love. And to help us do that, you are going to have to spend some time, I am going to have to spend some time in 1 John chapter 4. I would encourage you this week to spend some time in 1 John chapter 4. Now, we're not going to park the bus there today because we're in Luke chapter, chapter 6. But when we say things like God is love, that's informed by things like 1 John chapter 4. Are you with me? 
It's a lot of words, but I want to give you confidence in these things because there are people who are not for you and it's important that we understand who love is so that we can figure out how to love. And so we need to know what we mean when we say things like God is love. We need to understand what is attached to that statement. We need to be clear about where that is coming from. And some of our confidence is rooted in God has spoken and God is continuing to speak through his word, through scripture, through the Bible as, as we receive it to shape and inform our comprehension of who is love, that that's going to decide how we love. With me? All right, so spend some time in 1 John chapter 4. I mean, read the whole thing, uh, obviously. But specifically, if you want to cut to the chase, get to 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 to 21. They're going to shape and inform and give structure to our comprehension of when we say things like, God is love. Why is that important? Because if we move to the next screen, we say the one after that. Thank you. We say Jesus is God. We say Jesus is God. And you're going to need to spend some time, and I'm going to need to spend some time in Colossians chapter 2 to help draw these things together. And that once we have a comprehension and an understanding and a working knowledge of what we mean when we say things like God is love, then understanding who love is will inform in us how we love. Jesus is God. Jesus is God. And some of our confidence is shaped and informed by Colossians chapter 2. And that's doing a bunch of other things, which is why we need to hang out there and understand that and dwell in it and soak in it and all the other fun things that we need to do. Meditate on it in a super Christian fun way. Let it tick away. Chew on it. Let it be the thing that occupies your mind as you're drifting in and out. We heard uh, a good news story testimony from somebody in team time this morning of saying, hey, I felt really pushed and pulled around by life. And then I realized in the moment I felt the most pushed and pulled around. I had about four and a half minutes to speak to Jesus. So that's what I'm going to do. That's, that's the opportunity that I'm going to take. And we heard how that is changing and transforming the way that this person interacts with Jesus and with those around them and how it's shaping and informing in, I would like this to be different. I would like this to move differently. I would like this to change. But hang on, hang on. Jesus is God. Jesus is God, so I need to hear from him. I need to connect with him. I need to honor him. I need to see what he has to say about these things. And so let me take four and a half minutes. And the person in the car next to me thinks that something weird is happening on Radio 2. And I'm having, I don't know that song. What are they saying? What's happening? But that's the opportunity. Because if God is love, then what does that mean for us? It means that Jesus is God. And Colossians talks about the fullness of God is in Jesus the fullness of God. And I want to pick up some of that language because that helps us understand if we can connect with who love is, it's going to help us understand how to love. Because in the body, and we need to stop here, in the body, the body of Christ, what does that mean? It's a simile, it's a metaphor, it's a picture, it's a symbol, it's an analogy, it's a way of helping us understand the body is the function of the will. So let me back that up a little bit because that's a lot of words for quarter to 12 on a Sunday morning. Your body exists to facilitate the function of your will. Your brain in and of itself is a marvellous, marvellous thing, but it can't butter toast. You're going to need some digits for that. You're going to need some space for that. You're going to need the ability to get 
to Audi and get Norpak for that. You're going to need to move yourself, move your body. So you hear what I'm saying. So you understand that, hey, I want to go to this place. I want to see this thing. I've had an idea. I want to connect with that person. I want to drink their coffee. I want to see this this moment. I want to get to Villa Park. I want to see what's happening. Oh, my body facilitates my will. Does that make sense? Right. Jesus knows that too. And so he says, you are my body. You exist to facilitate my will. You exist to facilitate my will. Thanks, BC. Do you know how glad I am that BC's back? (laughs) Jesus loves BC and so do I. Your body exists to facilitate your will. In the same way, knowing who love is will help us understand how to love because we, as the body of Christ, exist to facilitate his will on the earth. We exist to do his business. We exist to share who he is. We exist to, in the physical spaces, places, moments, people, times, things that we occupy, that the will of God will be seen through the body of Christ. Are you still with me? In the body lives the fullness of the way of Jesus. And in Jesus lives the fullness of the Father. And the Father is God. God is love. Jesus is God. We are his body. Come on. So what do we do? What do we do? There, there is a tension, there is a problem because Luke 6, 27 and 28, Jesus says, if you're listening, if you're listening, there's a key, there's a clue. We love this stuff. We love to think that there's a code in here somewhere that only... I don't know, maybe if the right fairy lights are on on the right day and if I've had the right amount of caffeine and I've had the right amount of rest and if I've had my cornflakes, then perhaps I'll be given the key to understand God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for your life. Do you want to know what that plan is? Do you know how many books I could sell? Do you know how many world tours I could go on? With confidence, this this is the plan of God for your life. Love your enemy. This is the will of God for your life. This is the plan God has for your life. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And the plan and the purpose of your life is to love your enemy. Because we understand who love is, which shapes and informs how we love. And it's as complicated, spiky, uncomfortable, dislikable as you think it is right now as you feel it in the pit of your stomach as you think of that person who has done that thing as you remember that place where that unspeakable unfair unjust thing happened to you the way of Jesus the countercultural, radical kingdom of God releases in you the ability to understand and to see who God is God is love not the limits of when I feel warm and fuzzy not the limits of when everything breaks my way not the limits of getting my own way not the limits of understanding that I am in control, not the limits of the things that I will opt in or opt out of, but when I understand that God is love, that 1 John 4, 7 to 21 helps me understand who God is, then it will release in me the ability to love others, not just in the limits of doing nice things. We're going to come on to that because there's some really practical things because Jesus is way better at this than I am. (laughs) 
So how do we do that? Enemy means exactly what we think it means. Enemy, for clarity, is not people that you are distrustful of. Enemy doesn't mean people that in wisdom you're going, I don't need to be around that. Enemy isn't with confidence and clarity saying, nope, not for me right now. That's not a person, a place, or a thing that is helpful for the kingdom of God to come in me or through me. Use wisdom, use the intelligence, use the knowledge that the Spirit of God has given you. It's not about recklessly putting yourself in harm's way. It's about understanding who love is so that I can love love others. It's not about, well, I guess I'll just keep taking one for the team because that's what Jesus has asked me to do with the wisdom, the knowledge, the intelligence, the brilliance that Jesus has breathed into you. Activate it in your own existence. But people will hate you as a consequence of these choices. Our tension is not with others. Our tension is with evil. We're going to come on to speak about this in a minute. But Jesus has given us some practical advice to help us with these things. Remember, it doesn't exist in the ideological mysteries and fog of what does that mean? What's happening? I do not want us to leave this place today confused about what this means. I don't want us to leave afraid of actions that are available to us. God has a plan for your life and that plan is to love your enemies. How do you love your enemies? Do good to those who hate you. You bless those who curse you and you pray for those who hurt you. I have no cheat code for this. I have no shortcut for this. I have no balm or salve to ease the pain of this. None. None. We're not dressing this up in, and if you do these things, your mortgage will be paid by Wednesday. (laughs) And if you do these things, you'll be able to do your food shop at Marxies. And if you do these things, there will forever be a parking space for you outside your place of employment. If you do these things, there will be no consequences to your actions. That's not what the radical transformation interaction with the kingdom of God is about. Understanding who love is releases in me the ability to love others, to do good, to bless and to pray. This is in part, and this is not the full conversation for today, but this is in part why we need each other. It's why we function as a body, not as an isolated digit. (laughs) It's why we function together and not just as an elbow. That's why we have to move with each other and articulate in a full range of motion. We need each other. We've got to move together. We've got to understand these things together because to do good to people who hate you is supernatural. To bless those who curse you is the way of Jesus to pray for those who are not intending your best requires an interaction with the presence and the peace of God way beyond the limits of what I have experienced or feel. Jesus doesn't leave us alone and confused, but he gives us some things to do. The outcome of hate is destruction, but destruction cannot be the way of the creator. So how do we counter destruction with creation? We love our enemies. The provocation of hate in those who are of faith will be to stay still. The provocation of the distraction of destruction ensures that we will not do good, ensures that we will not bless, and we feel like we cannot pray. The kingdom of God, the way of God, the fullness of love made known transforms how we act. 
and guarantees action. And I want to set this up really clearly for us. We do not act to be the beneficiaries of these things. We act because we have already received the fullness of the grace and the goodness and the kindness and the love and the mercy and the inclusion of God. I don't act to get. I act because I've already got. Because I've already got. Luke 6, Jesus is teaching his team a new way. And he's inviting us to follow the radical rejection of fear and violence, to stop destruction. And instead, Jesus asks us to join him in action, creation, and love. Do good, to bless, and to pray. What does that look like for us? And I have been up and down and thinking about how do we give us something to attach this to. And my world, as you know, it looks like Jesus and sport. That's my, that's my whole universe. I pray for my wife and children because it really is like that. Um, so my mind often will go to these places. And as I was thinking about these things and how does this become more approachable to us? What do we do with this? How do we figure this out in real time and community? I felt this line. You cannot be offside in the office because you're not playing the game. You cannot be offside in the office because you're not playing the game. Here is how destruction and fear works. It will keep baiting you into believing that you have a rival that is another person. And for as long as you will engage with the tension that my enemy is another, I keep playing the game. And I'll keep being found offside. And the referee will keep stopping the game. And every time I feel like I'm making progress or I've scored the goal or I've moved along the pitch or something has started to make sense, the referee's whistle will go because I've been caught offside again. Here is the liberation that comes in the fullness of who God is. Stop playing the game. Come off the pitch. You have no rival. None. Attention is not with others. Attention is with evil. For as long as fear and destruction will convince us to other people and will convince us to set ourselves up as having rivals, people who are trying to take what's already limited. Listen to me, that's not true. God has enough because God is enough. If we can understand who love is, then we will be much clearer about how to love others. For as long as I can be baited by evil to believe that somebody else is my tension, I will set myself up to be defensive instead of being open. I will set myself up to be afraid instead of to act out of love. I will set myself up to say no instead of saying yes. Now remember, you are fully commissioned to use the fullness of the brilliance, the intelligence, the wisdom that the Spirit of God has given you. So I am not encouraging us to go and be reckless and to be ridiculous. I'm saying we understand who love is, so now we understand how to love. So now I'm released to do good. Now I will bless those who curse me. Not in an ironic, sardonic kind of way, but genuinely from the depths of the love that I am the recipient of, I will bless those who curse me. And I will commit to pray for those who hate me. Not that they will be like me. Not that they will give me a day off. Not that they will release me from the tyranny of their anger because I've stopped playing the game. I cannot be offside in the office. I can't be offside in the office because I'm not playing the game. I've removed my mind from the rules that I'm not bound by. I'm not in an interaction with fear, guilt and shame anymore. 
I'm not conditioned by what somebody else on the rival team thinks about me. Because they are also created in the image of God. They're no threat to me. They're not trying to take my resources. So when my neighbor continues to park in my parking space, it's no threat to me. And they're not being flippant. Pastor Sarah said to us, prayer isn't flippant. It's not powerless. It's not flippant. It's not, well, God bless you anyway. It's from the depths of sincerity, understanding my function because of who God is, I act. And I say, God, will you bless them today? Will they see who you are today? Will they encounter your goodness today? Will they experience your kingdom today? Let your kingdom come today. They are made in your image and you know them and you love them and you have made a way for them not to be wrapped up in these rules of fear, guilt and shame. I'm not caught offside in the office. I'm not threatened or afraid of it. Be realistic about these things because we go back into the wider world and as we feel up and we feel the breath of life and we feel the spirit of God moving us in these gathered moments and we go, yeah, absolutely, let the kingdom come. And then there's that colleague, there's that family member, there's that neighbor, there's that, listen, there are people who are not for you. Our tension is not with others, our tension is with evil. It's why we ask for the kingdom to come. It's why we ask for God's will to be done. It's why we ask for things to change. That's why we act. It's why we act. Because God is love. The fullness of God is known in Jesus. And the fullness of the Spirit of God is working in the body of Christ. For those to be transformed by love. Not in an airy-fairy, wishy-washy, broad misunderstanding. With crystal clear understanding God is love. And that is made known to us. The fullness of that is made known to us in the example of Jesus, the person of Jesus, the life of Jesus, the words of Jesus. And so he says to you who are willing to listen, Jesus says, are you paying attention? I've got a plan for your life. I have a purpose for your existence. Here is my will for your life. Love your enemies. And we say, Jesus, how? He says, do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. I'm going to ask Karen and Gaz to come back and they're going to lead us. Time has gone. If you have kids in kids' church, as we get up to respond together, then you can retrieve your children. They belong to you. Three of them belong to me, but the rest of them are yours. But here is what this looks like. We are people of application. We're going to pray for our enemies now. We're going to pray for our enemies right now. And we're going to make a plan for doing good and for blessing people this week. Some of you wish you had children to go and get in kids' church right now. We're going to pray for our enemies and we're going to make a plan for doing good and for blessing others this week. Can we stand together? Kaz and Gaz are going to lead us. Um, And these tools help us in these moments of reflection. They're going to help us bring our attention. The goal here is not to upset ourselves. The goal here is not to genuinely trigger or resurface things that may be between 
you and Jesus, you and genuinely, I mean this, a, a professional you are working through, it is appropriate to do the work to heal. It is appropriate to speak to professional people, counsellors. It's appropriate to speak to people who are going to help you with your mental health. It's appropriate to speak to people who are going to help you with your spiritual health. It's appropriate to speak to people who are going to help you with your physical health. It's appropriate to speak to people who are going to help you get to health and to Jesus. So the point of this is not to honour things that are not healed in you yet. The point is faithful obedience to Jesus. Jesus knows everything about you. The Spirit of God knows every minute. The Spirit of God knows every word. The Spirit of God knows every emotion. And so in the fullness of who Jesus is, where you are able, begin to pray for your enemies. Where you are able, with what the Spirit has given you, begin to put a plan together for this week, the next seven days. How are you gonna do good? What does that look like in your world? How are you gonna bless somebody this week? And just start to pray, start to plan, start to think. If you need to write that down, there's pens, paper, things available to us in this back corner by the spaceship, by the music technical team. You can grab what you need to grab from there. Make a note in your phone, send that WhatsApp message, take yourself out of that group chat, do what you need to do but start to pray for your enemies. And if you cannot find the words, if you do not know what to pray, you can pray this. Jesus, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. If you cannot bring yourself to forgiveness yet, if you cannot bring yourself to process the pain yet, you're not on your own. We do it in community. We do it with the right people in the right time. But if you cannot reach for those words yet, pray this, Jesus, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Let the kingdom come in and through you as you plan to do good and to bless this week. Come on, let's start to pray. And Karen's gonna lead us. Thank you guys.